Welcome back. 2024 buzz. The race for the Republican nomination to be president is in full swing with news coming out late Tuesday that former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley is set to announce her bid for the top job in the coming weeks. The news comes amid a shifting landscape in Republican politics in recent weeks as former President Donald Trump's clout begins to show signs of eroding. We'll talk about how the Republican field is looking right now, who you should expect to hear from, and most importantly, who's going to win. We'll be taking a look at those stories and more today, February 3rd, 2023. From Ishan Media, this is the Ishan S. Show, a podcast about the interesting and ever-changing world of American politics. With me, your host, Ishan. Hello, happy to have you here. Thanks for joining us. So it's been two years since President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris took office. Since then, they have encountered a wide variety of events. The conclusion of the COVID-19 pandemic, a historic infrastructure package, a rekindling of relationships on the global stage, But on the other hand, we've seen rapid inflation take hold of our economy as we sit on the heels of a recession, the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and, of course, the classified document scandal that's still in the headlines right now. It's been a bumpy roller coaster of a ride these past two years. And now that the 2022 midterms are over, we are officially headed full swing into the 2024 presidential election. That's exciting stuff. So I'm excited because that brings us to this week's episode. Uh, The last time I think we discussed the 2024 election, or at least devoted a full episode to it, was probably, I think it was in season two. So back in June, um, when we were really getting into what the meat of this issue was at the time, because we weren't even past the primaries at that point. Um, But we will get into that in just a moment. First, I want to hit some top stories. A Chinese satellite balloon was found hovering over American airspace, specifically over the state of Montana uh, earlier this week, where it sprouted concerns among the U.S. national security apparatus because, of course, it's a it's a unauthorized balloon that's been in the air, in our in our airspace that has been floating around pretty freely over Montana, and if I'm not wrong. It has flown over some of our military infrastructure or bases or something like that in Montana. Um, Defense Department officials informed uh, the public about it on on Thursday, and since then it has been growing into an issue of concern for many people. And as we are recording this right now on Friday, uh, the balloon is currently over the center of the continental United States headed in an eastward direction. There have been calls on the Biden administration to shoot down the balloon. However, they have refrained from doing so with the risk of it potentially injuring people, the, of, of it falling. Um, and the Chinese government, for its part, actually did issue a statement regarding this issue. Um, and they said that it was a weather tool um, of sorts that was flown off course, that it was unintentional to be there. Now, look, um, 
it's the Chinese government. And I'm not here to like spew any weird things or anything, but the point of what I'm trying to say is that this is a balloon that, and a balloon, it actually, first it should be known that balloons are actually used by militaries even to this day uh, by militaries to spy and to conduct military intelligence operations. So a balloon flying over our airspace, specifically um, over some more military sensitive areas, a Chinese balloon that is from the Chinese, uh, from the Chinese, it's a bit of a concern, national security concern. And so when the Chinese government does deny it, there is still this reason that you might want to believe that it isn't um, just some, you know, weather phenomenon that or some tool of sorts that went off course because they're calling it a civilian thing. The Defense Department actually still says that it was intentionally there. Um, we are going to be monitoring this situation, obviously, because um, it's it's rapidly evolving. I mean, obviously, it's floating very slowly across the continental United States. But but nonetheless, this is a changing and evolving situation. So we're going to be keeping our eye on what it is that's going on. Because, you know, when you look at something like this, it's not every day that you wake up and you, you, you hear about a concern about a balloon, right? Um, so that's a fun little thing that we're looking at here right now. Maybe not so fun, but, you know. So the January jobs reports just came in and they actually exceeded most expectations and a big win for the Biden administration. Um, the U.S. economy added 517,000 jobs. That is more than double the forecasts that were predicted for January. So it's a big win for Joe Biden, who has touted his ability, his administration's uh, ability to add jobs so much uh, over the past few few years in his time in office, especially with, with us recovering from the COVID-19 recession pandemic, pandemic recession. Um, this is actually one of the bigger numbers that we have seen in terms of adding jobs. Um, I think the last time we saw anything this big was maybe a year ago when we added like 750,000 jobs or something like that. Um, so this is in the higher end of numbers and ahead of his State of the Union address, this is some welcomed news. Representative Ilhan Omar was removed from the House Foreign Affairs Committee by House Republicans, uh, citing her anti-Semitic comments that she has made previously. Uh, Democrats, for their part, have condemned this. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, and other members of the squad have gone as far as saying that it is an attack on women of color specifically. Um, Representative Omar is not the first to be taken off of a committee. Um, the House Democrats did it a few years ago when they stripped Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar of their committee assignments. Um, now, basically, what what the point of doing this is is basically is when you're in the House. Your job is, yes, to vote on stuff and introduce bills, but 90% of your job is sitting on your committees. Uh, your committees are generally there. that Those are your biggest priority. Uh, that's how you get most of your work done in Congress. And the Foreign Affairs Committee is a very powerful committee. So removing Representative Omar has been, uh, has been called an outrage by many people in the, in the Democratic Party. Um, 
so but for you know for Republicans this was more about settling a score and it's comes after a House Speaker Kevin McCarthy barred Adam Schiff and Representative Eric Swalwell from taking on spots on the highly coveted intelligence committees. Representative Schiff wasn't necessarily going to be taking on as big of a responsibility anyway because he's running for U.S. Senate. But, you know, it's still not something that people might like to see. But those are this week's top stories. Now let's get into our update for the 2024 presidential election. All right, so 2022 midterms, over. They're behind us. We love talking about how much we were loved talking about it, but now we're going to love talking about how much we love talking about the 2024 election. I don't know what I just said. But, yes, the 2024 presidential election is in full swing. We will get to the candidates um, in a short while. But first, I wanted to talk about some of the issues and priorities for voters as we head into uh, into this next election season, specifically in the primary season, because as soon as one general ends, the primaries begin. So uh, I wanted to first talk about the Democratic Party's priorities since they are the ones that are in power. They get to go first. Um, now, for Democrats, there are a lot of issues that are at top of mind that concern more social issue stuff. Uh, this includes the future of democracy in the country as rated by Pew Research as being the top issue um, after the January 6th riots and those calls of election fraud in the 2020 election and partly in the 2022 election, Democrats have rated the future of democracy as one of their biggest concerns. Um, and it is something that is worth noting because obviously this can, the claims of election fraud have been pretty prominent, and they have ensued some sort of political discord and chaos, I'd see why they would rate this as their top issue. Um, after that, healthcare has become a very big issue. It's always been an issue. It's been like that for years. Um, nothing new there. Abortion, abortion that comes after the Roe v. Wade decision was overturned. That is what turned out voters in the 2022 midterms, specifically Democrat voters. I think that Democrats have how much inf the influence that they have in the House right now is because of the fact that um, because of the fact that the court overturned Roe v. Wade. If it wasn't for that, then I don't think Democrats would have had as big of a presence they have right now, despite being in the minority. Supreme Court appointments are also an interesting topic. I think after the overturning of the Roe v. Wade decision, Supreme Court appointments became a really top big top concern because uh, many Democrats wanted to call for increasing the size of the Supreme Court to, in order to allow for a larger majority because obviously the court is not in favor of Democrats. It's a six to three conservative majority, which means that liberal opinions are generally going to be quashed uh, for a while at least and as long as there are six conservatives on the Supreme Court. Um, now, you might know that President Biden did add Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the court, but that wasn't anything major just because she was only replacing an outgoing liberal court justice. So at the moment, uh, Supreme Court appointments and judiciaries, judicial system are also pretty important. 
And then climate change. Climate change has always been there. It's a pretty standard issue uh, that most voters list as a concern for themselves, but, you know, not as big of a thing that's, like, new. So, yeah, but those are the top concerns for Democrats. And for Republicans, according to the same Pew Research Center poll, is the economy. Um, Inflation has been ravaging our country. We are sitting on the heels of a recession so it obviously makes sense that Republican, and this is under a Democrat president, so it's obvious that Republicans are going to cite the economy as their concern because they can blame it on President Biden uh, for his spending, for um, the increased inflation, the gas prices that are now lower now, uh, for, for in President Biden's credit, it, they are lower. Um, violent crime has been rated as a top issue. Many Republicans say that in big cities, uh, in big cities, violent crime has been increasing rapidly, and that has been causing some of the chaos that we're seeing, and they say that they want to put an end to that. Immigration has been a big concern. Uh, the Republicans have cited the mass illegal migration from the southern border as a major sprout of concern, and it's gone so far as certain Republican representatives introducing articles of impeachment against Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas uh, and, and for, for basically, you know, for um, this, this uh, illegal immigration crisis that we're seeing at the border. Many Southern states, now including Democratic governors, are now sending these uh, Ill- immigrants out of, their homes, out of their states to other parts of the country. Um, and that's become a very big divisive thing. They Republicans also then list the future of democracy as a big issue. Um, obviously, with the calls point, you know, the claims of election fraud, there was this idea that was built in that the 2020 election was somehow stolen, and it's now part of the playbook of many MAGA Republicans to just blame it on voter fraud. Um, it's obviously it's not necessarily very true. Uh, but that is the method that they are using these days. And so the future of democracy is also a big issue for them, but in a different respect. And then energy policy. It's not about renewables. It's about fracking. It's about drilling. It's about energy independence. That's what Republicans are concerned about. But that's not necessarily what I was focused too much on. I want to talk more about how voters feel in general. According to a new NBC News poll that came out just this week, 71% of Americans do not think that the country is headed in the right direction. That's concerning. I mean, 71%, that's nearly three quarters of this country, do not believe that the country is headed in the right direction. What does that even mean? What does not right direction mean? Um, It's not necessarily a very clear thing, but according to this NBC News, they do say that this is the worst that showing in this poll in its 30-year history. And in addition to that 71%, 69% of Americans in general would use negative words or phrases to describe how they felt about America's path over the next year. That in itself is such an interesting thing as we're heading into 2024, where everybody has something bad to say now about how we're going to go into the future. Nobody has an excited view. Nobody's like, yes, a new year, we're going to do great. No, it's like... Oh, Lord, help us, right? Um, And actually, that 69% that we're seeing is a 17% increase since Biden took office when it was at 52%, which means that 
it was higher than this week was higher than we hadn't seen in the COVID pandemic than we have seen during uh, the recession that happened. 52% was when Joe Biden took office. That's increased 17%. And obviously, you don't have to blame Joe Biden for that. That's just general polarization. It must have been an upward ticking trend. But even then, in two years, 17% more people do not feel like this country is headed in the right direction in just the next year. How exactly are you supposed to reconcile with that? Um, that's It's a confusing thing. Now, this episode is about 2024 uh, and the presidential election, so obviously I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Trump and Biden. Voters are generally very wary of either Trump or Biden running in 2024. And in fact, over 50% of voters don't want Trump on the ballot. So that means half of voters everywhere do not want to see Donald Trump on the ballot at all. And Biden is not in a far behind second place. He's sitting at 48%. So the top two guys that we see, the top two most important people that we are seeing in Republican and Democratic politics, people do not want them to be in office. Like, how does that work? Well, it's because of the grasp that they have over their parties. When I say grasp, I mean the ability to control and to organize their party. Joe Biden may not have to do as much work because there's more consolidation behind him. But Donald Trump, he has a grasp over this party that 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 we've seen and explored on this show is very strong. His endorsement will take you past the prime into a primary and through a primary. He is the kingmaker of Republican politics. And while, yes, his clout has diminished, it's still there and evident. So, in general, we are not seeing a big change from 2020 in terms of the big social issues. I think abortion might be the new thing that's on the list. But in general, from 2020, these are many of the same issues that we saw. And the only difference is that we are far more pessimistic about our future. And we are generally more dissatisfied with the people that are supposed to be, you know, taking on the roles and the people that are supposed to be at top. But is that, are those our only options? Well, we'll take a look at that right after the break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back <laughs> after this short, short break. All right, so we're back from the break. Now, before we left, we were talking about some of the top issues for voters. We were talking about how voters generally viewed the direction of this country. And what I was able to tell you is that it's pretty pessimistic. Nobody's very excited about the trajectory that this country is going in to your surprise or to your dismay, whatever you want to say. But beyond that, uh, 2024 is going to be about the candidates, as is every election. But I think in 2024, that's going to be a bigger topic, especially in the Republican Party, only because um, Donald Trump's influence is slowly but surely diminishing. So a quick review for my friends who don't know, after the 2022 midterms, when Republicans were expecting this bloodbath for Democrats, it was going to be a red wave year, what we ended up seeing was sort of a red flop. It, it wasn't anything impressive. It wasn't anything notable. It was nothing to write home about. In fact, Democrats actually expanded their majority in the Senate by one seat. And in the House, Republicans 
very narrowly got control of the House by a mere 10 seats. 10 seats is what separates Democrats and Republicans, five seats technically from the majority. So what does that mean? Well, it means that Republicans are walking on very thin ice and are facing very, very large amounts of division. I mean, the big best example that I can point to is the speaker election that happened last month on um, around on the sixth from the sixth January sixth through I think the tenth or something. It was that battle for Kevin McCarthy to win control of the gavel, but twenty or so Republicans who did not want him there were going to take the party hostage until they would get a new speaker. In the end, Kevin McCarthy did end up winning after 15 rounds of voting. But still, it showed the immense division within the party. And I think with that division that we saw, that we were exposed to, it really begged this question of who the real leaders of the Republican Party are and what direction it's headed in. And that carries on into 2024. And that's why I'm really excited for this for this part of the episode, because now we get to look at the candidates. Now, on the Republican side, as far as declared candidates, we have Donald Trump, who announced his candidacy on November 15th, uh, a week after the midterms. And that's no surprise. We had all anticipated this third run from the president from President Trump. Um, I've I've been saying it since day one of this show that we would see Donald Trump running for president a third time. I'm sure of it. Now, obviously, will he become the nominee? If you asked me maybe six months ago, I would say, oh, heck yes. He will definitely be the nominee. That's not looking as certain anymore. And it's mainly because of his lost uh, image in, in Republican politics. And it's also because of his diminishing uh, showing in general in the polls and because of some controversial stuff that has happened, including his dinner with Ye, formerly known as Kanye West and Nick Fuentes, his claims about, you know, revoking the Constitution, you know, things of that nature. He's had a few gaffes, and I think that's resulted in a big publicity issue for him because um, even if you say public, you know, any publicity is good publicity, it comes at the cost of him seeming like a reliable leader. And Republicans have shown some dissatisfaction. They're starting to show that dissatisfaction with Donald Trump. There are more Republicans than ever coming out in opposition, actually very freely condemning Donald Trump, saying, no, we're not going to take this. Uh, and, and a year ago, two years ago, that would have been a nightmare. It would have been practically treason within Republican Party rules to come out against Donald Trump. So more Republicans are taking on this chance and they feel way more free uh, as they take on these bold decisions. And so that kind of points me to Ambassador Nikki Haley. Uh, so former ambassador to the UN under Donald Trump, Nikki Haley. We talked about her last week here on the show because at that point, she was mulling a run for president and she was very, very open about her interest in running for the top job. Now, Nikki Haley has been a rising star in Republican politics for over 10 years, served as the governor of South Carolina. And as I've said, like twice already, she was the former U.N. ambassador. So she has both foreign policy experience as well as 
you know, domestic policy and executive experience. And she was also a member of the South Carolina State Legislature. So you can say she was a legislator as well. Why not? Um, but yeah, she, we were talking about her last Friday. Then on Tuesday, uh, a leak went out from the Haley camp that she plans on running for president. She has decided that she's doing it. And an announcement will come on February 15th. Um, that will be a week from Wednesday. So if you're listening to this around Nikki Haley's presidential announcement and it's not February 15th yet, then go you know, watch that announcement if you were interested. Um, now, UN amb- uh, amb- former ambassador Nikki Haley has definitely been one of those people who I've thought, okay, maybe she'll run, maybe she won't run, but everybody wants to see her run because she's one of those very interesting people in Republican politics. She's not the familiar face that you see. Um, and so that makes her a bit of a dark horse candidate. And, 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 and another interesting part was last, you know, in 2021 in April, she actually said that she would not run if Donald Trump was running for a third time. That's interesting because then as soon as this stuff started to happen uh, with Donald Trump's in general, polling and favorability declining, she jumped right in. And I think that's a sign. That's a sign from, I think, much much of the mainstream of the Republican Party that they smell blood and that they're going to come in and they're going to try to swoop away Donald Trump's uh, influence. Now, obviously, there is a concern with a lot of candidates jumping in uh, for Republicans that do not want Donald Trump in office. Uh, and that is the 2016 thing. The 2016 thing basically was that a billion and one candidates ran for president in the Republican nomination contest back then. And what ended up happening was most of them split the vote amongst themselves. And Donald Trump ended up cons- consolidating a lot of the votes. So in reality, while he might have won the Republican nomination, he won that with only 30 percent of the vote. And everyone else just had the rest. But it's all divided. Nobody had more than he did. And that's a concern that that's present right now for Republicans because Republicans that don't want Donald Trump running again or in office again are really worried that there's going to be this large Republican field and candidates will not know when it's time for them to leave, which will result in the vote being votes being split and Donald Trump then becoming the nominee. And the issue that some of these Republicans uh, contend with is that they suggest that Donald Trump is a losing candidate and can't be trusted uh, with the Republican Party's message. But, of course, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Nikki Haley is the only Republican candidate that is poised to be challenging President Trump. There aren't any other people that are declared yet. However, there are some people that are definitely mulling a run. And those names include Governor Kristi Noem of the great state of South Dakota, not, I was going to say South Carolina, uh, of, the, of South Dakota. Now, Kristi Noem is a firebrand in rep- Republican politics. People know her for her hardline views on many social issues and as well as taking on the Biden administration. I think where we see all these governors trying to inflate their own um, inflate their own personalities to try to seem like they're America's governor, that sort of thing. Governor Christie Noem is actually 
kind of taking on the Biden administration. She's challenging them very openly, saying, I'm going to do this. You try to test me. Um, and that has resulted in some more prominence for her, more immediate attention, and, and many more Republicans viewing her favorably. The last time we talked about Governor Nome on the show, I even suggested that she, if she didn't run for president, she might actually be really good vice presidential material. And I say that because she has this appeal within the Republican Party to the hard right, but also a bit more to the moderates that maybe another candidate might not be able to match. So she would be a nice complement to that. But anyway, after Governor Nome is a pretty popular name that we've talked about here on the show that Republicans, including Trump, have been attacking recently, and that's Governor Ron DeSantis. Governor Ron DeSantis is thinking about a run right now, and he is he's he's considering that run, and he said he'll he'll think about it and he'll make an announcement or a decision in May of this year uh, as to whether or not he wants to run. Governor DeSantis, unlike so, well, Christy No might be one of those people that challenges Biden a lot. Governor DeSantis is the type of America's governor candidate that others want to see. He is, you know taking on the Biden administration in his own unique way. He's trying to become the leader of the right wing of the Republican Party. He has his don't say gay bill. He's right now in in the news pretty recently for rejecting AP African-American studies and AP course that has garnered him a lot of criticism, as well as some um, sort of encouragement from parts of his party, because that's that's the way he's been governing with the power of social issues. And in this day and age in politics, social issues are kind of a currency. And he has been able to kind of take control of that. And he's been able to push ahead his own agenda. Now, some concerns with Ron DeSantis include that he is right now the first base of attack for Donald Trump. He's, Donald Trump is going right after him. Um, we've heard the Ron DeSanctimonious thing that I've played here on the show before. Donald Trump does not like him. And it's really interesting to watch because while there might be all these concerns and reservations people have about Ron DeSantis, after Donald Trump, he's number one. He's the next guy that everybody's looking at. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is very openly ambitious about a run. In his new book, he actually went after each of his potential rivals. He went after Nikki Haley even when he said that she was trying to plot a coup against Mike Pence to become vice president herself. Um, he then later said that that was more West Wing gossip that he couldn't confirm. So funny enough there. But Mike Pompeo is definitely mulling a run. He really wants to run for president, it seems like. He has become way more vocal about issues that are not generally related to foreign policy because he was former Secretary of State and CIA director, so that wasn't their cup of tea. But he's been more ambitious and more open about his views on these matters. And then there's former Vice President Mike Pence. Mike Pence, um, Donald Trump's ride or die that now has just kind of vanished away. He has also been considering a presidential run. It seems like he's actually going to run. Of all the candidates I just listed, Mike Pence is probably the sure. Well, actually, Mike Pompeo is the surest, but Mike Pence is the more is the strongest. Um, definitely, that he's going to run type of thing. He said he'd take the holidays to think about it. So by now, he should have a decision. But um, 
Mike Pence is has a, gone on the attack recently in recent weeks against Donald Trump, talking about trying to defer himself from January 6th, trying to defer himself from more of the co- controversial things that Trump has done and has been doing lately. But at the same time, he's also trying to reconcile with the fact that he was his vice president and he wants to run on those accomplishments. So he never shies away from saying the Trump-Pence administration. And, you know, that's an interesting thing. We even see the Biden-Harris administration. Ten years ago, you never used to add the vice president's name to the administration. Now everybody wants to do it. But anyway, that's a different uh, rant of mine. But if you want to learn more about potential candidates that are on this list, you can go to the com where I have an article called Seven Republicans Who Might Run in 2024, as well as an article called Seven Democrats Who Might Run in 2024. Uh, you should give it a read. I'll maybe even link it in the description of this episode, but give it a listen and you know, read about potential candidates that might be running. As for Democrats, it's nothing interesting. It's Joe, Joe Biden. Joe Biden's going to run. Um, it's going to be Joe Biden, no doubt about it, because the party has been pretty much consolidating behind him. There have been threats of a progressive challenger, but that's negligible. Um, Joe Biden is all but certainly going to be the Democratic nominee if he decides to run. He's had to delay his presidential announcement because of the classified document scandal. But once that clears up, and I think after the State of the Union address on Tuesday, I think things will look much better. By the way, the State of the Union address is on Tuesday, February 7th. Do not miss it. The Ishan S. Show will be covering it live. We'd love for you to listen to it, and we'd love for you to check it out. Check out our blog for updates about what Biden has said. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's a different topic. But yes, that was a look at the 2024 election update. We will be bringing you more updates periodically as we get closer and closer to election season and as more candidates declare their candidacies. There's a new tab on the ishanesshow.com labeled 2024. So if you're ever ever interested and you want to read something interesting, then go uh, check that tab out and you might be able to find some good reads. I cannot promise it, as many listeners know of this show. I am not very proactive about those articles, but we try to get whatever we can out. And subscribe to my political news blog. That way you'll know when I actually post sometimes. (laughs) But yeah, that was a look at the 2024 election update. We'll keep bringing you these stories and we'll keep talking about this because this is at the center of the Ishana show now. But thank you for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. And so that does it for us here today at the Ishan S. Show. If you liked my commentary, then go ahead and follow at Ishan S. Show on Twitter and at the Ishan S. Show on Instagram for breaking news posts and updates about the show. If you want to learn more about political stories, then check out my political news blog on the Show.com and enter in your email to subscribe and just check out the Show.com and do us a favor and share this episode and all other Ishan S. Show content with your friends and family. It is the best way for this show to grow and get more people listening to it. And it helps out so much. Thanks again for all your support and I'll see you guys soon. Bye.